So welcome back to the Business Hogs Podcast, a podcast where we talk about business, self-improvement, and economic issues. Today is the release of the third episode of our eight-episode month, the most number of episodes we've released ever in a single month. So today's guest speaker is Rahul Rai on episode 12, Personal Finance Uncovered. And Rahul Rai, he's a social media influencer. He gives financial tips and has millions of followers on his numerous platforms. So would you like to introduce yourself, Mr. Rai? Thanks for having me. It's this is this is my second podcast with uh, people that are much younger than me. <laughs> Hope, Hope you're love be the better one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So, uh, could you just like for us and then for the audience as well? Could you just give us a little bit of info about yourself, like how you got your interest, stuff that you like to do, things like that? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, originally, I started out dancing as a kid. Dancing led to acting. So I did my first film when I was like 18 and then uh, went to college, studied economics, dropped out of the acting program, studied economics, loved economics. That got me interested in, in all things, maybe investing in money. Uh, but it didn't really prepare me for it. So I just started self-educating uh, from 22 to like, I mean, still. And then it wasn't until like 2019 that I really found the right resources to get me a little more confident in the realm of money and then um, you'll see me on like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube talk about it and then also with the acting stuff Um, so things are kind of rolling now a little bit more in 2020 and 2021 so it's all starting to kind of come together I think all the work as an actor putting in the time putting in the hours and then now kind of stuff as uh, from the investing standpoint it, it i'm all I'm, I'm trying to like actually put it into action and it's kind of working so it's, it's kind of nice to be able to share that experience so how did you get into like economics and personal finance because i feel like acting and like the yeah. media side of things versus that's like very different they are i originally went to pace university to be an actor or to study acting, hated it. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I kind of dropped out of the acting program. But then you have to do all these liberal arts uh, courses and stuff like that. And economics was very interesting. And then ultimately it became revealed to me that like this should be my major and I should really get into it. With the mindset of after school, I'm going to pursue acting super hard. And so I, I, it was weird. So I upset my acting professors for dropping out. And then I upset my economics professors for basically saying, after school, I'm not going to pursue economics as a career. I'm going to pursue it. Um, I'm, I'm going to pursue acting as a career. So I basically ended up pissing off a lot of people <laughs> post-graduation. And I haven't regretted one bit of it. That's not- um, but, but they actually are, I think, because economics is so... It's a social science. It's a, it, there's a behavioral aspect to it. Game theory is also really interesting, which I'm mm-hmm. like kind of starting now a little bit. Uh, it made me understand like there's a way to connect the dots between things that seem very, very different and unrelatable, and yet there is a connection. And then it also, I guess, gave me some fundamentals and vernacular to help me understand the investing world and personal finance world. So maybe economics helped me make that jump a little more quickly and it's less intimidating because when I hear things like supply and demand or bonds or stocks or whatever, they don't intimidate me as much as it would intimidate perhaps the the more layman, you know, doctor, lawyer, plumber who has no experience in the realm of money. No, yeah. oh, sorry. Um, no, it's funny actually that you bring up game theory because you know it applies to everything, whether you're in acting or whether you're in yeah. con, because it's all about decision making. What's your next move, right? Yeah, and I'm only just like I didn't get a chance to study it in college because mm-hmm. that was a very popular course, so it just never fit. But now I'm I'm like reading books on it. Just got a book, but yeah, game theory is a very integral part of. I think how we function as people 
I think marketing and selling is also, I would put as skill sets that are super important that will help you in all aspects of your life. And uh, for sure, like understanding the internet, for sure, understanding money. There, there are certain skills that are really important to learn that will have positive feedback loops in any line of work that you guys go into or that we all go into. Right. So you mentioned before that you self-educated on uh, economics and personal finance as well. Did you feel like that was more valuable in terms of just like common knowledge than um, like, I don't know how to word it, but like maybe then like yeah. you would have gone about common knowledge from your college courses. Yeah. So college and the education system is good in the sense that, I mean, college especially, you, you meet a great bunch of people. Hopefully you meet life, lifelong friends, and that's really wonderful. Um, hopefully you have, a, I don't know, a, a good relationship with your teachers and professors that like have influence on you and hopefully teach you stuff that's useful. But the real, I, I, the real useful stuff that's actually helping me now I had to completely self-educate on. So um, financial literacy is a completely self-taught subject. School doesn't teach it to you. I don't think it ever will. Um, the skills of selling and marketing and, and, and like basically social media and leveraging the internet, uh, at least when I was in school, no information, no knowledge. The whole idea of, of creating money and making money work for you, not taught. Earning money will be taught to you because that's exactly what a degree will help you do. But the basis of the tax code is such that you will then pay the highest taxes. So you, you like the, the, the real, I suppose the way, <laughs> the way that you want to live your life, because we probably all to some degree admire the super wealthy and the people that have all the time and are making money as they sleep, as they go on vacation, like they're just making money around the clock. Those skill sets and to create that kind of infrastructure, you won't learn anywhere other than the real world and or self-educating, leveraging the internet and Amazon and books and stuff like that. So you were upset that you were learning to be a worker instead of, you know, learning to be financially literate? I wasn't upset. I mean, to me, it's like there's, there's no time. There's no time to be upset and, re and resentful. You just have to accept that's what it is. And that whatever traditional means that you're going to rely on for information cannot give you all the information to prepare you for the actual world. Because the actual world is very dynamic. It's ever-changing. School is very static. The curriculum of school doesn't really change that often. And the price of it just keeps going up. But you can't, there are certain things you can learn in a static environment that may help you in a dynamic environment, but to really truly learn about the dynamic environment, which is called life and evolution and all that kind of stuff, you just have to get into the game. And you have to then learn by doing, trial by fire. Um, and that's really, that, that's, that, that's all like sort of having the mindset and the psychological will and a long-term mindset to just keep going and make it work, which is why it's very useful, I think, to go down the road of following your obsessions rather than following, I don't know, perhaps what line of work is going to help you earn a higher salary. Hmm. It's just hard. Yeah. This, 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 this thing is like, this thing called life is like, not to be so, you know, dark, but... It's a, there, there's a lot of figuring out to do on your own. And the traditional sources of information that you go to, like your parents or your teachers or whatever, your friends, they're not going to have all the answers. Because again, it's a you're a dynamic creature in a dynamic environment that is always going to be changing and flowing and, and, and whatnot. This isn't a static game, if that makes sense. I think that's all. Yeah. I think that's also like why it's important to be able to use the internet as, as like a teaching yeah. resource to a certain yeah. extent, because there's a lot of things that like you can, like, I remember like the other day when I was like watching YouTube, I watched this guy like build a PC and it was like his first time building it. And then I learned something from watching that video. And then I was like, 
thoroughly yeah. entertained and like it kept my attention. And that's something that, yeah. like, I mean, I probably learned that from my friends, but like yeah. I wasn't going to learn it in school anytime or like by asking somebody else. So for sure, there, like- there are definitely certain fundamentals that you, that will be very useful in this dynamic game. I think financial literacy is one of those fundamental skills. Mm-hmm. I think marketing and selling is one of those fundamental skills. I think um, knowing how to communicate, basic reading and writing, and the willingness to self-educate, these are all fundamental skills that will help you in this dynamic, ever-changing environment. I think that it's important to like have the motivation and want to like compile those resources too and be willing to self-educate yourself on whatever yeah. you're interested in like whatever like how you mentioned like it doesn't necessarily have to be the line of work that you want to go down but just like mm-hmm. things that are important to learn today and not everybody's going to do it yeah and that's that's just that's how it is that's why there's very few people that have real influence on how the world actually works because they're they understand the game of attracting money and attracting attention. Do you think people are stuck in this dynamic because everyone's just like their main goal is to be financially, you know, free, but they can't really do that because if everyone was financially free, then the world couldn't function. It's a really interesting point because I've been contemplating that too. And I've been reading content and watching content. You guys should check out this guy, Naval Ravikant. He's a venture capitalist uh, that invested in Facebook Uber, Postmates, Twitter, and so on. So he's he's a billion. Him and Chamath Palahapatiya, two VCs that I think are very interesting people to listen to, because they can see a world where everybody can be wealthy, and that capitalism is a positive sum game and not a zero sum game, which basically means that I don't like in order for me to quote unquote win, you don't have to lose. Uh, or, or there's a competitive aspect to it, but the overarching idea is that we can all make it work. So how does that work and how does that actually happen? That's like a really interesting question. That's but, an interesting concept. Yeah. And, and it's like mind blowing to me because, and, and then I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, there's nothing stopping me from actually becoming a millionaire or a billionaire. Like all four of us can become millionaires. It's not like I have to become. And then if I become a billionaire, you can't. If you wrap your head around that concept, it becomes really interesting now because now you realize you can make the money and I can make some money. It just depends how we make the money. And it depends what we do. And, and then it becomes about like how much value, like the way you make money, what's the real value and social impact that you're having. If you're creating the next iPhone, you're going to make a ton of money because the value of your product is so much higher. If I'm looking to just sell merch, I probably won't become a billionaire, but I can bring in a solid extra four or five figures a month. Now, if I know how to invest it, now I know how to make money work for me. Now I can buy back time, just like you can buy back time. But you see how we're both building wealth, which is interesting. I think it's an interesting concept. I don't know if it will actually work, but I, it, it, it's starting to make me think that for a long time, we thought capitalism is a zero-sum game where one person has to win or a group of people have to win and another group has to lose. And the only way to completely make it equal is to go down the road of socialism, which I don't think actually needs to happen. You can actually have capitalism, but also capitalism is probably within the DNA of human nature. So you're, you're probably never actually going to get away from it, even if you want to. It's just that maybe it's been corrupted. Yeah. But I also think that the reason why capitalistic society works, and this is, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here, is because so many people are hung up on the fact that they want financial security rather than to make their wealth work for them because there is a certain risk involved in something like that. 
Yes. That's exactly true. But you can mitigate that risk if you get the education. But in order to get the education, you can't rely on the traditional education system. Mm-hmm. And that's right. where people shoot themselves in the foot because they're expecting other people to give them the answer. And that's kind of like going back to what we were talking about before, which is like compiling your resources yes. and being able to gain knowledge from uh, the internet yeah. as like a valuable resource. I was thinking about this today in the shower. I think the difference between being a kid and being an adult has nothing to do with age. I think it has to do with the realization that as an adult, you have to hunt. And as a yeah. kid, you don't. Because when you're in sixth grade, you know what's coming next, which is seventh grade. And that's the de- everything is defaulted for you. When you're an adult and you're 25 or 23, it's like, do I go and get a master's? Do I go and get a house? Do I have to? Do I? Now you have to like start hunting for yourself on your own with your own ideas and start living and dying by your own decisions. Whereas as a kid, you don't because there's, there's a defaulted next step for you to take. And it's interesting because in a way you're being taught to follow for 16 years and then you're thrown into the jungle and now you've got to hunt like a predator or now that's probably the wrong word, like a lion, let's say. (laughs) Yeah, but I think, and that that's a really interesting dichotomy because you have to unlearn a bunch of stuff and then learn a, a bunch of new stuff, and that's really that's the difficulty, and that's the thing that I don't think many people end up doing and making that shift. Well, just I think that uh, I, I was just gonna say, like, I think that that's a really interesting way to look at it, and I feel like it's almost like like imagine like a swimming pool. Like you're in the shallow end and you have like floaties or whatever and you're just cruising and then you go into the deep end and there's no real like transition as to like this is what you have to do. And yeah, I think that's where like a lot of people can get lost if they're like if they haven't been able to compile uh, like enough knowledge on what they want to do and how they want to do it. I feel like a lot of people can get kind of like just messed up in that area. Yeah, hopefully they are going to be more process oriented. And not results oriented. Mm-hmm. And they're going to realize that this is a long-term game where I'm going to have to learn stuff on my own and find my own network of people that have the answers within the given questions that I have and then keep going from there and piece it together. I'm going to take what I've learned in the traditional education system. There's a strong basis there. I know how to read. I know how to write. I have all my limbs I know basic respect and basic uh, due diligence and basic discipline and basic this and that. I'm not going to use earth science. I don't need that. I don't need trigonometry and calc, but I probably need basic algebra. Okay. I know basic science. I know the basics. So now how do I use these fundamentals to then learn the real skills that I need to learn in order to navigate whatever it is I've chosen to do again, there's no actual answer. Everybody has to find their own way. And that's the scary part. If the answers are all out there, though, yep. like on the internet, then why aren't more people searching for it? Because I think there will always be people, there will always be, I have faith in this one idea. I don't know if it's true. There will always be more people that want abs than will actually have abs. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. The way that I, of those, like, you know, one sense. day. Because to want something, I read this in a book yesterday. It was really interesting. When you really want something, your entire being is devoted to it. But a lot of people confuse want with it would be nice if. It would be nice if I made an extra five figures a month. It would be nice if I could. But to actually do the work requires an immense amount of solitude, of struggle, of failure, of searching, hitting dead ends, coming back to middle, then going down another path. It's that that whole process. You can't do that at happy hour. You can't do that on vacation. You can't do that 
hanging out with you. That's a solo game. That's a single player game. And the will and the people that are willing to do that, I think is like truly do that is really rare. Yeah, I was like listening to this story the other day. Like I, I was listening to another podcast and you know, uh, the hosts were saying something. They were actually talking about this. They were they were saying this story of how, you know, this one guy um, this one kid, he he wanted, he was like, you know, seeking to make passive income. He wanted to, you know, earn some extra money on the side. And he said, he said to his dad one day that he wanted to be successful. So they were, they went to a lake one day and then they were, they were in the water. And then the dad says, come here, son. And then the son came to him. And then after that, he pushed his head in the water. And then like, you know, he had held his head down until, you know, he, he, it was like, he couldn't breathe. And then as like as about he like as he was about to pass out he lifted his head up and then the kid said i wanted to breathe so bad and then the the father said that you know if you if you want success like you have to want it as bad as you want to breathe yeah. so you know i i thought that i thought that was pretty interesting yeah i mean yeah that's your entire being has to be involved in this endeavor which means you can't do everything you can do anything you want but you just can't do everything I think that's a really important distinction to make too. Because your time, your time has to be devoted yeah. to that one thing. Like, yeah, like you only have so much time. And I mean, with financial freedom, you can start to free up more time. Yes. But you know, it's never going to be enough to do like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. And you have to be in like a million places at once. Uh, yeah, that's it's not really going to happen that way. But uh, I also just, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. How old do you think kids should be when they or like is there like a sign like for kids or young teens maybe of when they should start kind of learning the basics of just financial literacy? I mean, I think the earlier the better. Um, I, I think like if a kid can learn a language growing up, like learn a second language growing up, which I think is possible. Because just of exposure, they can learn the language of money the same way. They can learn the language. Like I remember, uh, I was trying to teach. So, so I was uh, I was at home for the holidays, and I was hanging out with my nieces, and we were playing Monopoly. And the first round of Monopoly, I completely destroyed them because they didn't understand it. They didn't understand the idea of buying properties, spending the money to buy the properties, invest. Then you got to get the houses. Then you got to get the houses to then get the hotels because the whole game is about collecting rent and making that property work for you. As soon as I taught them that principle after the first round, I never won a game after. Hmm. So they got it. And yeah, I would have to like keep reiterating to be like, hey, what's the whole point of the game? The whole point of the game is to buy the properties. Once you get the properties, what do you need? You need the houses. Why do you need the houses? To get the rent. Why do you need the rent? So that you can buy more houses. Why do you want to buy more houses? To get more rent. Why do you want to get more rent? To get more houses. Why do you want to get more houses? To get more rent. Why do you want to get more rent? To then get a hotel. Why do you want a hotel? To get more rent. Because now you have freedom to do whatever you want. Because you've solved the money puzzle. And then you got a monopoly. Right. Now, in that game, somebody has to win, somebody has to lose. That's probably not how – so in terms of that whole positive sum game we're talking about, it, 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 it doesn't really teach that. It teaches kind of a zero-sum game aspect of it. But that doesn't have to be but, – but the main lesson is making that money work for you. The lesson of the positive sum game probably will come from something else. It probably won't come from games because games are all based on status and all games are zero-sum. Right. Right. Actually, but... um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, just a little like side tidbit. So I was about Monopoly. Um, so I took stats this year, and actually, if you place your hotels six, seven, or eight spaces away mm-hmm. from um, like the opponent, they're more likely to land on your house or hotel, which I thought was super cool. There you go. So now we tie in statistics and probability which is probably mm-hmm. an important aspect of mathematics that's actually useful in the real world so now you add another fundamental skill to your arsenal and you apply that to whatever line of work you want to go into right 
but but kids can learn really quickly. Yeah. Adults learn very slowly because they have to get over their ego. Yeah. So the older you get, the harder it is for you to learn, but the more important it is for you to learn because you don't think you need to learn. But I also think it has to do um, a little bit with the conventional wisdom aspect of it, where as an adult, you've been conditioned so many times to believe a certain thing, whereas if you're teaching a kid, they're very malleable because they haven't been exposed to kind of that common, I don't want to say knowledge, but common belief. They just haven't been corrupted yet. Yeah. Adults have been corrupted. And so we have much more crap to deal with and get out of the way before we can get to the real, real stuff. Isn't that like a rich dad, poor dad concept though? Like I remember there was, um, a, there, I, 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 like, I read the book a couple months ago, but there was a, there was like a chapter about like, you know, this girl who wanted to get rich fast. And then he, she asked Robert Niyosaki in one of his speeches for help. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he basically said to her, you should go take a, like a, an online class or something. But she thought that was so demeaning to her. So she didn't do it. Yeah. Is that like why? Yeah. Cause you start to buy into your own hype of I'm smart and I have a degree from so-and-so, and I have X amount of years of experience. So when you start asking questions and people start giving you the answers, the actual, like, real, like, useful answers, there might be a part of you that's like, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. That's beneath me. That's, that's, that's kind of the double-edged sword of success or any sort of getting some kind of status. You start to buy into your own hype, and drink your own Kool-Aid, then you don't think that you can actually get better. And that's tough. But, but that's, it's again, you're, the ego is always going to hurt you if, if, if you don't check it. I feel like kids are also a lot more like naturally curious. I feel like as we kind of grow older, our curiosity for certain things just kind of like, yeah. uh, gets like slowed down a little bit. Like, I know like, like a, like a bunch of like little kids that are that are like my cousins or like friend siblings or things like that like you don't even have to ask them anything and they will be asking you questions about like yeah. how does this lock work what if i put this there what happens if i do this mm-hmm. so i feel like that's another reason why like they can be such great learners yeah and imagine they if they had if they had parents that were financially literate they could get started even faster that means they could take more advantage of compound growth Everything just gets accelerated now. Yeah. Which is crazy. That's why it's so important to have finance, to be financially literate and when you have kids to teach it to them. Because then they can take where you started and start much earlier and then create again a positive sum game. So now they have more wealth to use to then give back and create companies to do whatever for society. That's like exactly what happened to like what Eric just said, like what happened to Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. That's his rich dad. That was his friend's dad. Yeah. And so he taught them from a younger age too. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And they don't even need the money once they have the skills because now they'll have the skills to actually make the money for themselves. For yeah. me, it's like, I think a lot of people are obsessed with creating generational wealth. I'm really not. I, I like, there's a part of me that if I ever have kids and I have that much wealth, I'm not giving them any of it because they don't need it. They need my skills. Yeah, so like ge- teach a man to Yeah, so generational time. financial literacy is much more useful to your kids than your money. They don't need the money. They need the skills to get the money and make the money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like how these all these like online courses, you know, these, you know, teenagers that say they're making over 50K a month, you know, yeah. have you ever heard of those? Yeah. Yeah, like you think. You know, like, you see how in the comments on those kind of posts, how people are saying that they don't want to buy their course. Like, do you think that if that's if they, if they got successful and that's like their online course, is that still a scam? Here's the thing about online courses is. Or maybe anything, there's always going to be scammers, then there's always going to be legit people. So I actually do affiliate marketing for a course called the One Funnel Away Challenge. You can, I mean, I talk about it all the time on The Layman Investor. There's a link in my bio. You can use it anytime you want to get the course. Now, that is the only course 
that I have willingly taken my credit card out and paid for. Actually, that's not true. It's one of like four or five courses that I've ever willingly taken my credit card out and paid for and actually felt like I got value. Not only that, I was able to make my money back plus profit, which I had never done paying for a course. And now I've never paid a thousand dollars or tens of thousands of dollars for a course. I paid like several hundreds of dollars and they've all given me some nugget of wisdom for the 600, 400 bucks that I paid, whatever. But this is the only course that actually taught me the fundamental principles, the foundation, just like rich dad, poor dad teaches you the fundamentals of the wealth mindset. Uh, the little book of common sense investing teaches you the fundamental principles of investing in index funds. This course is the equivalent of that for side hustles. So it will teach you the principle. So anybody that's saying, Hey, look, this is how I make a thousand bucks a week. This is how I made an extra 50 K a month. The way they're doing that, if they're legit is they're leveraging probably four principles. And those four principles are creating an email list, sharing their story through an email sequence and on social media. So they're getting vulnerable and honest. They're creating valuable offers. So what does that mean? That means instead of just selling the shirt, they're giving you eBooks, guides, whatever else that they can think of uh, to give you more value and solve more of your problems and more of your challenges that you will start to face once you purchase the product. And then they're leveraging sales funnels so that they can deploy all of this, have one-click upsells that could be subscription services or higher value goods and services or, or courses. And they're, they're creating, they're doing all of this to then create income. And some of it could be passive. Again, like those subscription services are a form of online passive income. It's not tax-free, but it's online passive income. So if they're legit and they're really, really good at the game, they're probably using these four principles. And then upon this, they're doing whatever else. They're doing, I don't know, uh, split tests and uh, Facebook ads and all that kind of stuff to drive traffic. But if a course can teach you the fundamentals of that for a solid price, which I haven't found until the One Funnel Away Challenge, then I would say take that course. If, that, if the course is not going to teach you those fundamental skills for like, I mean, now that I've found a course for 100 bucks, if it's more than 100 bucks, it's probably not worth it. That's just my two cents. Hmm. So if anybody's quoting these giant numbers and they're legit, they're using these four principles, I think. Um, which principle do you feel was the hardest to develop on your end? I think it's the valuable offer. So basically it's, it's, it's always a challenge to come up with assets, things to sell, digital products, physical products that is actually, actually going to give more value for the customer. So now we have to figure out what is value because value is subjective. Mm -hmm. Price is objective because you know what you're going to pay. And so there's nothing to negotiate. But value is tough. And this is where your skills of marketing and selling are going to be really important because in order to understand what somebody values, you have to listen to them. And that's a really hard thing to do. I have to listen to my customer base in the comments and the DMS and the, in the, in the emails they may send back to me when I share their story or whatever, or share my story or whatever. I have to see that feedback and be like, Oh, they need, this X product they need, they, they want more of my voice. Okay. So if I'm providing entertainment, that's the value I'm providing off of my acting brand. What products can I create that are digital so that I don't take on higher marginal cost to then be able to give more people like my voice. Okay. So what if we did like spoken word audio files? Great. 
They like this other thing. These thirst traps. What if I created like a thirst trap calendar kind of a? So you got so it's a mix of creativity and listening, and that's how you then sell the thing and add more value. And this is why digital products are so key and cool because the cost to ship is zero. There might be a cost to make because you might hire like a like a an artist to design something or whatever, but the cost to ship is zero and the cost to replicate is zero because it's digital. So when you tie in that on top of the shirt or the product or whatever else you're selling, you can sell that thing for a slightly higher price because you're giving more value. That's a huge concept. Yeah, and that is. One of the core concepts that you'll learn in the course—not to like keep selling the course—but the only re- the only reason I shamelessly do it is because it's valuable stuff. Because it'll teach you how to market and sell with integrity, and make you much more consumer customer centric. And that's that that's I think that's why sales and marketing get such a bad rap because most marketers and sellers don't care about you. And this is how you create a positive sum game of economic incentives. There's a selfish aspect why I want to create value for you because I want to make money. But if I give you more value, you get more value. You're going to get more bang for the buck. Hmm. There's a positive sum. I'm making money off of you, and there's no, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as the price that I'm charging. Is less than the value that I'm giving, and the value that I'm giving is something you're telling me. And that's what's um, subjective, right? So, so to somebody that's not part of this audience and not part of the brand that I'm trying to create or whatever, they'd be like, "Dude, why would you pay a hundred bucks for that?" Well, that's because they don't see the value. It's not for them. They might pay the same hundred bucks for a pair of like. Nikes, and I'd be like, dude, what are you? They're a pair of shoes. What's wrong with you? Why would you pay five hundred bucks or seven hundred bucks for a pair of Yeezys? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why would you pay three hundred fifty thousand dollars for a Charizard limited edition card, Pokemon card? What's wrong with you? <laughs> People value subjective. Yeah, and so you have to listen to your audience to understand what. They value and give it to them, and they will and give it to them at a price that is less than that value. This is why the education system kind of sucks, because the price is going up, but the value is going down because it's not actually preparing you for the real world. And the price that you pay for it, you're not going to be able to make that money back on the back end because you're never going to get a job, entry level job, to pay for the debt. Yeah, isn't that like the concept of life, lifestyle creep or something like that? Well, lifestyle creep is like as you make more money, you spend more money because you make more money. So you're like, yeah, let's go to Vegas now. Let's get, let's get, you know, let's go out for dinner more. Let's uh, buy more name brand stuff. So the amount of disposable income goes down because you're just spending more money as you make more money. So now you, your investable capital is is all going towards things that will never pay you back. So that's how like people who make a lot of money in their life end up going broke. Like a lot of athletes, yeah. and, like, celebrities and things like that. Cause they fall into, cause they go to strip clubs and they spend it on that or they get yeah. a yacht or they go to, they like buy everybody in their family and whatnot, like Bugattis. Yeah, I heard of this story of this, like, you know, number one draft pick from the 80s or something. He, um, I think he signed with this team and he got like $2 million as a first rounder. And then he ended up like on the same day he got the $2 million, he bought, he bought like a $500,000 house for his parents. And then he bought two cars that were another $300,000 each or something. Yep. And then uh, I, 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 it was like, you know, I, isn't it like for people more materialistic value and everything? I mean, I think we all have stuff like indulgences that we would love to 
uh, I suppose, indulge in more once we have the money. Like, I would love to just get all custom-made suits. But that's the thing. Like, some people would love to go out and travel the world. Great. Whatever your indulgence is, be aware of it. Understand it. But you can't let it consume you so that you're going to make poor financial decisions. Everybody has a dark side. And that's really important to have because it helps you blow off steam. But um, to then overindulge and lose sight of what's important, that's a very dangerous thing. Yeah, I feel like especially like if the like let's say let's use for example the people that Eric was talking or the person that Eric was talking about, or more specific, more specifically that group of people, um, I feel like if they had financial knowledge from a younger age, like maybe like high school level or something, then they wouldn't do that. And let's say that person, he got a $2 million contract. Let's say something happened and he never got another baseball contract or whatever sport he played in his life. He could still turn that money into, like he could still retire off of that potentially. Sure. So Yeah. I mean, so, so yeah, I mean, you're right. But like, that's sometimes how you learn is you make the stupid decisions again that's a learn by doing thing mm -hmm. that's how this thing works sometimes Espe especially theory. with regards to money and financially it's a learn by doing and learn by experiencing trial by fire kind of a thing kind of a yeah. knowledge thing learning from experience mm -hmm. because Shaq did the same thing with his first million dollar contract I think yeah I he saw it and now look at Shaq now he's become a lot smarter financially because he did the work. Yeah, he put in the work. He learned about in, like investing. He he had the right connections and the ability. Isn't he the guy who spent seventy thousand dollars at Walmart? Well, no, no, that was that's a different story. That was like somebody took his credit card or something like that. Oh really? Oh. But he he did he bought. I remember he bought a car for himself. It was a really nice car. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was a Mercedes. And then he showed it to his dad, and his dad was like, I want a car. So Shaq was like, all right, I'll buy you a car. So he bought him and his dad cars, and they went to his mom, and he showed the cars to his mom, and his mom was like, well, I want a car too. And he was like, all right, fine, I'll get you a car. And so he bought her a car. So now he has three Mercedes in, like, less than a day. And then his, like, advisor called him and was like, Shaq, there's a lot of athletes that grow broke after they retire and, like, this and that. And so Shaq understood. I'm, and I'm happy, like, that, like, like, you know, like he really understood what his what his uh, his advisor was trying to tell yeah. him. Like he didn't take it too personally. Like he really understood that this is for the best of him, and he followed it. And yep. look at where he is now. Yeah, he should have just gone to SeatGeek. <laughs> SeatGeek. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, like understanding money and knowing how to make it work for you. That's the thing. Like, if you're an employee, it's a huge advantage, actually, if you're financially literate, because now you have a bi-weekly salary that you don't have to worry about getting. So now if you know how to use the money and make it work for you, you have a steady stream of income to then fund other assets that will eventually fund your life. And now you can choose to work or not. That's why I, I kind of envy employees because they have that, hmm. they, because they have why? the salary. They don't have to worry about getting a salary. They have steady income. If they know how to use it, and buy assets, then they can just keep feeding the assets. They have a machine built in place where they can, whereas me, I have to figure out how to create some semblance of a, of, of a salary. Are you a Basically, that's what I do. I mean, like I'm a content creator and I do affiliate marketing and then I get brand deals and I'm an actor. So I, I'll make money from whatever thing, but I don't have a recurring income like a, like a salary that I can depend on. So there's a constant amount of worrying and stress that comes with that. But then that's the challenge is how do I create that idea or that recurring income called a salary through a subscription service, through a side hustle, through whatever content creation, getting AdSense money. So when you, when you don't work on a salary, you have to become more innovative because you have to solve the money problem just like anybody else, but you're just going to do it without working for somebody. So it's like you have to solve that problem and then figure out how you're going to put it into assets yep. like that. Okay. Hmm.
No, I never really heard it, uh, like, I guess, presented that way. I'd always heard, like, you know, it's better if you don't have a nine-to-five. But I feel like your point makes a lot of sense, how, like, it's good to kind of have this job so that way you can have a stable stream of income. In today's day and age, you can be both an employee and an owner. Yeah. Like, once you collect, like, even after, like, once you start collecting adequate funds from your job, you can kind of, like, ditch that if you know what you're doing with your money. And start becoming an investor. I think that's like the golden that. place to be, honestly. But again, it's a mindset thing. Like an employee has an employee mindset. Hard to then learn a ownership mindset. If you're an owner, it's hard for you to go work a nine to five. I will never yeah. want to work a nine to five. I never want to do it. So I won't do it. A nine-to-fiver will never do what I'm doing. Very few of them will, but they'll never want to do it. Mm. And so to get the best like of both worlds, fun. you have to like, I don't know, you have to maybe, again, it's an ego thing maybe, or you just don't. You just ride the wave that you've, that you've been riding all this time. It's like having the mindset of wealth mm-hmm. before actually achieving it, and that's how you go to achieve it. That's how you get it. I mean, that's how Robert Kiyosaki did it in uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Is he had that wealth mindset to begin with, which is why when he started his company and was struggling and whatnot, it took some time, but then eventually it happened. It worked because he had the mind. It's all it's all a mindset first. What are some important finance i'm gonna kind of go on like a different branch here what are some important financial concepts that you feel like people should learn about early on like compound interest and like can you talk about things like that compound growth is huge dollar cost averaging is huge like what specifically are those things just for our like our viewers that might not know it's kind of need a better understanding so compound growth is uh, your interest earning interest. So basically, if I put 10 bucks into an index fund that tracks the S&P 500, and in year one it grows by, so I put, let's say I put $100, and let's say in year one it grows by 10%. That means at the end of year one, I've made 10% off of $100. That means I made $10. Okay? Then... Uh, I choose to keep the $10 in the pot, in the portfolio. So now it's at $110 starting year two. Now let's say the S&P 500 goes up by another 10%. I don't earn 10% off of my initial $100. I earn 10% off of what's in the portfolio, which is $110. So I earn the same rate of growth, but I've made more money. Because I'm earning 10% off of a larger pie or a larger pot size. So now I've earned $11. And so on 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 and so it goes. That's the power of compound interest is your money is now making you more money. Now, if you start putting in the concept of dollar cost averaging, which is basically every month you're going to put in more money into the pot, now your growth is going to accelerate at a much higher rate because now you put in the $100 initially, then every month you're going to put in an extra $100. That means at the end of the year, you have $1,200 in the pot, right? 100 times 12, $1,200. Then that thing grows by 10%. You just made $120. So, re- so keep that $120 in the pot now, year two, you're going to keep putting in $100 every month. You're going to put in another $1,200 plus whatever growth you had, plus the growth of this year. Now you scale that. So once you hit $100,000 or $50,000, now your money is now a 10% growth on that. It's $5,000. It's $10,000. You keep that money in then that money keeps making you money. That's the game of compound interest. And when you combine compound interest with dollar cost averaging, you accelerate and exponentially grow your money, not linear. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So compound interest is really 
you 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 experience it and you get the benefits of it if you stay patient. You have to keep your money there in the pot in that long-term investment. And when the market goes up and down, up and down, you can't freak out. And that's hard. When the stock market crashes, you can't freak out. When Bitcoin dips, you can't freak out. If you have a long-term investing mindset in those assets, you don't have to. You can day trade anything you want. You can long-term invest in anything you want. The game is about understanding yourself, understanding your own psychology, and doing your due diligence, and then committing. Again, it's that want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Oh. Elaborating on that point, I remember, um, you know, I remember like when the coronavirus first hit and all those stocks were tanking. I think my dad said he lost over like two hundred thousand dollars worth of stocks. And then, you know, like a lot of people were contemplating, oh, maybe we should sell our stocks now because we're losing so much money. We don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, like he he just stuck it in. He Mm -hmm. just like left it in there. And and it turns out a lot of people got all their money back um, in the third quarter. Imagine if he bought more. Yeah, like imagine buying Zoom stocks during that time. That would have been nice. That's that's the psychological game of it, and that's really hard. Yeah, like how do people analyze that? How do people tell you know what stocks are going to explode next? I don't uh, listen. I'm not good at predicting the future, and nobody is. But here, but again, it's it's back to the fundamental principles. I, in terms of the stock market, I invest in index fund ETFs. Now, there's a lot of talk of bubbles and this and it's over this and that. Great, fine. I can deal with that. But this is what I'm getting. I'm getting an index fund that tracks the S&P 500. What is the S&P 500? The S&P 500 is the top 500 companies of, Amer- of American business. Okay? We're talking Tesla, Google, blah, blah, blah. Now, if those companies tank then another company is going to take its position in the S&P 500. So I'm buying the S&P 500, the top 500 companies. They can come and go, come and go. Um, But I'm buying the top 500 companies through this index fund called um, VOO. It's a Vanguard index fund, uh, S&P 500 index fund ETF. Great. So now what's the big bet that I'm making? The big bet that I'm making is on American business. So what's the question I have to ask myself? The question I really have to ask myself is, is American business going to be innovative, competitive, and valuable for the duration of my life? How long do I plan on living? Probably until 80, 90 years old. So that's another 60 years. That's the big question. Whatever my answer is, I got to back it up by money. My answer is yes. So I'm going to put money in, dollar cost average, take advantage of compound interest, and ride the wave because I'm buying American business. If I do not believe, if my answer to the question of whether American business is going to last and be competitive is no, then I should leave America and I should live in another country. And then... I should live in a country who I think is going to last the next 60, 70 years and invest in that company, in that country's business. And I should ride the wave of their long-term wealth. That's my thesis. That's how I think. So that's tough because I'll have to go through something like in March of 2020 when the market dips and then I'll have to go through all the talk of people saying there's a bubble in index funds, there's a this and that. But this is what I'm basing it off of. I, I use the same idea and ideology for Bitcoin and Ethereum. That means I need to understand the general idea of what Bitcoin and Ethereum hope to accomplish. And then ask myself, is that going to be useful 40, 50, 60 years from now? I believe the answer is yes. So I back it up with money. And that's it. So you're a firm believer in long-term growth? In, in what I'm invested in. 
It's about like having that patience as an investor. Yeah, and having the mental and emotional fortitude to deal with the noise that is now amplified because of the internet. Yeah. It's hard. And this is the same thing I do with my career. Am I going to be a better actor 50, 60, 70 years from now? Yes. Am I going to be a better entertainer? Yes. So that means I can commit for the next 60 years of my life to my work. This has nothing to do with degrees. This has nothing to do with, oh my God, is it a good profession? Is it a, this is, that doesn't come into mind. You guys see the difference in thinking? Yeah. This is not stuff you learn in school. They don't, they don't teach you to think this way. Mm-hmm. It's all about self-education and like having the, like, the mental strength, I guess, to be able to kind of live uh, this way and reap the benefits of your long-term investment yep. and the prizes. But the money will come as a result of it. So yeah. you're not chasing the money. But the money is going to be there. And you know what to do when the money comes because you're financially literate. It all works out that way. There we go. That's the game. That's how I play the game. I don't know if that's the way everybody should play the game. That's how I choose to play the game. Based on how I've learned, how I, what I've learned, what I've read, and how I'm processing the information. It's not for everybody. I don't think if I have any more questions. Yeah, let me know. Yeah, um yeah, so thank you, Mr. Sure. Rye. It was like it was it was really great having you come in of today. It was um you know, you brought up like a lot of points that were, you know, really good. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Like we gained a lot of knowledge today, and uh, especially for our viewers too. Are they fellow high schoolers? Uh, I think um, not a lot of them. Like seventeen okay. percent, which of is them. like weird. We thought it would be more high schoolers. Okay. Yeah, it's more people that are in their thirties and twenties okay. and thirties. All right, it's really weird. Well, hope they understood everything that I just said. So <laughs> drop some bombs there. It was really interesting. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, I also have like one more question. Um, do you have like any tips of like growing your social media presence? Because you know you have like such a large following. Do you have any like? Tips uh, to do that? Again, I'm not an expert, but what I basically did, it's consistency over a long period of time. It's high volume. It's so what it is. It's always going to be qu- quality content, right? So put that aside. It's quantity at high volume, every single day. So if you can put out six pieces a day, every single day, seven days a week, awesome. If you can make nine pieces a day, seven days a week, even better. Like post, post a day. A maybe maybe oh, maybe on like TikTok. Maybe on Instagram is probably a little less. I don't know. But for me to grow on TikTok, it was like at one point I was posting for the layman investor, I was posting nine times a day, every single day. How long did you do that for? Like, what was the span of that? Probably a solid year. It's only recently that I've kind of slowed down in terms of the volume, only because there are other opportunities coming. So I have to make time for that. Also, I want to grow my YouTube channel. So I want to make that more consistent. And that takes a little more effort and labor. So I need to free up the time. Um, So I'm kind of, I guess in a way, I'm taking a hit in terms of my analytics on the TikTok front. But that's so that I can make more time and put in more of a consistent effort for the YouTube product, if that makes sense. What's your YouTube channel called? Uh, so you can just uh, – so I have two channels because I have two brands. One is The Layman Investor. You can find on YouTube. That's all tutorials on side hustles, in particular the One Funnel Away Challenge. And then we talk about – I'll talk about like um, financial literacy and then if you search Rahul Rai, just my name, you should see my acting brand uh, YouTube channel, which is all going to be weird skits and me doing vlogs and dance pieces and acting stuff. 
Very interesting. Yeah. It's all consistency over a long, sustained compound growth. That's all it is. Compound growth and dollar cost averaging. Well, I think uh, I don't really have any more questions. Do you guys have any? No, I think they're all answered. Awesome. Uh, okay. Uh, sounds good. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks again for having me. Really, really great. Thank you. All right. uh, I'm going to end the recording. So I guess that really pretty much sums up episode 12, Personal Finance Uncovered, featuring Rahul Rai. We want to thank him for coming in again. He brought a lot of insightful information for, I hope, all you listeners enjoyed and really took a lot away from. So anyway, this is this marks the end of our three-episode week that I think this is actually the first one we've ever done doing that. Uh, anyway, next week we're going to be releasing Fan Page to Fame featuring Jaron Kiviot, episode 13. We're also going to be releasing The Art of Freelancing, I think, and another episode. So we're probably going to be releasing episodes 13 through 15 next week. So I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And if you if you like it, please give us a review on Apple Podcast or give us or follow us on Spotify. Or And if you have any questions, please DM the account. And if you want to get in touch with Mr. Ride, just check out his Instagram page or his TikTok page. He's got a lot of great stuff on there. So... I hope everyone enjoyed and signing off for and see you next week.